Welcome back, y'all. This is another midweek mini-sode of NBA. I'm your host, Jay Kiles, a.k.a. Luca Donkish, a.k.a. Mai Tai Lawson. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Eric Gee. He is the host of the Locked on Thunder podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the Thunder season um, and some things that uh, I'm sure many Thunder fans want to know about what's going to happen this offseason. So, Eric, welcome to NBA. Thank you very much, man. I'm very excited to be here and talk a little Oklahoma City Thunder basketball because I think I think you would agree with this. Are we not discussing the most intriguing team during this NBA offseason for now like the third year in a row, the Thunder have become the, the team to watch during the offseason? I couldn't agree with you more. They're, they're, and that's probably a good place to start because I want to take you to a place, Eric. I want to take you somewhere. I want you to envision a young gentleman preparing for a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert at the United Center, when all of a sudden he's interrupted by a Woj bomb that tells him that Paul George has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder in a surprise trade to a team that nobody thought he would be traded to. And that was pretty much the start of the Thunder offseason. So um, where were you? I'm, I'm sure you weren't at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert because there's no way that they were in two places. But where were you when the, uh, when the PGA trade went down? I was on my couch. Um, <laughs> I had not been home for, I honestly not been home from work that long. And I was working at a local radio station at the time. And my wife got, my wife got the text. She, she was the one that got, got the alert from ESPN. She said, the Thunder just got Paul George. Like, you're kidding me. <laughs> and I start, I grab my phone, I grab my computer, I'm flipping on ESPN and NBA TV. I'm looking for anybody that has any sort of sort of breaking news. Not that I'm doubting my wife, but but I need to see it from some sort of official source. And when it happens, I'm on my phone to my assistant program director. I'm like, we got to go on live. We got to talk about this. So luckily the station wasn't too far from the house. And I was on the air probably within... I'd say half an hour of that news coming out. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a Friday night. Oh, I definitely, and was. <laughs> my girlfriend was very, and, upset. <laughs> and as I'm, as I'm driving to the station, I'm working it out in my head about, okay, so does Paul George play a two? Does he play a three? Can he coexist with Russell Westbrook? How effective is this lineup going to be? Is there another piece they can possibly add? Did Sam, I mean, just like every possible question I could think to answer is running through my head. And I tried to do my best that night to give the listeners as much information and, and give them as much opinion as I, as I could. But certainly, the, I guess the big takeaway from all that and a very roundabout way to play it or roundabout way to say it was that Sam Presti had changed his M.O., and I don't think any of us who had covered the Thunder for any period of time really felt like that was a move that would that Sam Presti would make. He, he surprised us all and then surprised us all a few months later with the Carmelo Anthony deal. Well, thank you for the segue there, Eric, because that was the other thing that, uh, you know, there was, there's been rumors, there were, there had been rumors, I should say, about Melo and where he's going to go. And are, they, are the Knicks going to release him? He's got that nail trade clause, blah, 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 blah. Maybe he's going to go to Cleveland. And then Sam Presti, once again, pulls something out of his hat, trades off Anna's Cantor, and uh, brings in Carmelo Anthony. And now we have the formation of the OKC3. Um, and boy, I mean, I don't know how things were. I would imagine things in, in Oklahoma City were very similar to how they were um, in the rest of the NBA world. But um, the level of excitement was at an all-time high. 
Yeah, it was. And for Oklahoma City Thunder fans, it it felt good because the because it felt good, and that's man, that's putting it so mild. It's a wimpy way to put it. Thunder fans felt like they mattered again. That was the big deal. After going through a year with Russell Westbrook and having that MVP season where he had averaged a triple double and surpassed the single season mark set uh, by Oscar Robertson. The Thunder were were in a state of okay, that's that's great, and it was fun to watch, but ultimately yielded a first round exit in the playoffs. So now with getting Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, the Thunder fans had the confidence that this team put together might actually be able to give Golden State a little bit of a tussle. And even though it was a risk with Paul George, well, hey, if they can get to the Western Conference Finals, maybe. Paul George will like playing with Russell Westbrook. So there was just all these thoughts of mainly, I'd say the main thing was still getting revenge on Kevin Durant and still getting revenge on, right. on Golden State. Right. Well, um, the season as a whole, as I'm sure you, you would agree, was uh, a hell of a roller coaster ride. A lot, of, uh, a lot of ups and downs. Early on, it was like, can these guys play together? Boy, do they look sloppy. And there was a couple of games where like, oh, wow, this is, this is a team that we should expect moving forward and initially it was like well will Melo be comfortable playing the four and it looks like you know towards the latter portion of the season he definitely kind of got slotted into that spot um and you know throughout periods throughout the season um you know there was some peaks and valleys but overall I mean what was the consensus of the team you know in Oklahoma City were, were the fans um feeling more comfortable as the season got later and later did they did they start to think like was there a sense of hey we actually have a potential chance to make a good run in the playoffs there was for a very brief period of time. Mm -hmm. And that time would have been, I actually, I think there were two periods of time. I think end of December, start of January, people thought they were starting to click. And then Andre Robertson got hurt and things tailed off. And then maybe as the season was ending, going into the playoffs and the Thunder were in a situation where they had to win just to make the playoffs. And then win more for better seating, then people thought maybe there's an opportunity to make a run. But for the most part of the season, people looked at it as, as a disappointment. And you had people discussing whether or not Billy Donovan should be fired, whether or not it would be wise for Sam Presti to just go ahead and trade Paul George and possibly Carmelo Anthony if somebody would take his contract at the trading deadline and start over and rebuild. And it just uh, – you know, maybe for 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 that two points of the season, there was a glimmer of hope. But I, I don't think there's any single fan of this team that solidly thought that they would be able to compete for an NBA championship or even get into the Western Conference Finals because they were just so inconsistent all year. And the weird thing was is they played better against Golden State and Houston than they did anybody else in the playoffs. Right. And it was almost the, the unfortunate thing was, well, you could possibly end up playing New Orleans or Portland. And ultimately it was the Jazz. And you just felt like the, the Thunder had a better shot against those top two teams than they did everybody after it. it I, I don't know. It was, it was more like a weird feeling of everybody looking around, scratching their head all season long, just trying to figure out what the problem was. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, and then you make a good point too, because I think, the last day of the season, the playoff seedings were still unclear. Uh, there was a lot of people that maneuvered around. Like at one point, Utah was three. They ended up being the five. 
you know, and like uh, San Antonio was the six and they dropped down to the seven and, uh, you know, Denver was in, and, but Minnesota was tied with them. We weren't sure who's going to be the eighth spot. And, you know, all this, all this change and variation happened at the end of the season uh, where the matchup that, you know, ended up happening between uh, OKC and the Jazz really was one of the matchups when, when looking at the playoff picture. It's it one of the ones that I was really concerned about um, simply because, and the result ended up being that playoff Russ and, and, and regular season Russ are, are two completely different players and playoff Russ and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but he really kind of just, he kind of just knows one speed um, and having a defender like Rudy Gobert, who's back there protecting the basket, pretty much nullified outside of that, you know, large comeback that they had um, anything that, that OKC was really able to do against Utah. I, I'd say that that assessment is bang on and, and, and that's Russell Westbrook. And part of the deal with playoff Russ is you, you have to sort of look at Russell Westbrook's history. One, where Russell Westbrook really came into his own was in 2012 in game four of the, of the NBA Finals. And he was the one that put Oklahoma City on his back. Everybody sort of woke up and realized how dynamic of a player that he was and, and how much of a leader he was capable of, of being. And if Kevin Durant was going to have a bad night, you could sort of rely on Russ. Well, Fast forward to after Kevin Durant leaves, Russell Westbrook was the Thunder's only salvation for a year. And for Russ, I don't think he quite ever got out of that mode and quite ever got used to playing with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And for the most part of the season, and even in the playoffs, I think he looked for ways to include them in the offense, but it was clunky when he did, and those guys never seemed comfortable so if, if Russ isn't comfortable with it, everybody else isn't comfortable with it, Russ is just going to put this team on his shoulders as best he can and try and make something happen. And you saw, I mean, we talk about the big comeback, the big thing that you've got to remember with Oklahoma City that day or that particular game was that Gobert got into foul trouble. Right. And when he was sitting on the bench, that's when the Thunder were able to make their run because that was the, entire, that was the only game the entire series that the Thunder, I think, had more points in the paint than the Jazz. And I know they out-rebounded them that night, and it just seemed like prior to Gobert on going on the bench, anytime Oklahoma City would go to the rim, and it wasn't just Gobert. It's anytime anybody from the Thunder would go to the bench, the, the, somebody from the Jazz would, would be there waiting. The Thunder had a very hard time scoring at the rim. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was one of those matchups, like I said, that just on paper you're like, well, this could go any number of ways. But if Donovan Mitchell continues to do Donovan Mitchell things, and Rudy Gobert is able to, you know, protect the paint. Um, that limits a lot of what OKC does, and then they have to resort to mid-range jumpers or, you know, Paul George um, doing playoff P things. But you know, playoff P uh, expired and, and ended up becoming, uh, yeah, just a, a shell of himself towards the, the latter portion of that that playoff series. So you brought up a point earlier that I definitely wanted to talk about um, in the question that is. Is Billy Donovan a good coach, and should Billy Donovan continue to coach the OKC Thunder? Absolutely he is. Um, I don't know any coach. Absolutely he is, and absolutely he should. I don't know any coach that could have done what Billy Donovan's done these last three years. If you want to talk about a year where maybe Billy Donovan failed, it was the last year that Kevin Durant was here and the Thunder were – one game away from going to the NBA finals. Other than that, you lose Kevin Durant. 
So now you're building on Russ, and then you get Paul George in the middle of the summer and Carmelo Anthony in September, and you're expected to put it all together and make it work and keep three ball-dominant personalities very happy all at the same time. I, everybody likes to say, or one of the big things I saw tweeted out here from one of our local sports anchors was, well, what, what could Brad Stevens have done with this team? Well, I think Brad Stevens could have done exactly what Billy Donovan did. I don't think he would have been any more successful. And I can say that people can call me a homer and people can say, well, you've got to call the GM into question. But these are also things that Sam Presti brought up in his exit interview. When you had that much turnover on your roster and there hasn't been that kind of consistency, it's going to be hard for any coach, no matter how good they are, to get this team on the same page night in, night out. And it just seems like for three years now, this guy's just been experimenting based on what Sam Presti's given him to work with. Yeah, I guess. So to play devil's advocate though, I think one of the, one of the main pieces of feedback on Billy Donovan is like for, for a guy who in college had a very systematic approach to the way he coached, um, he's now transitioned to the NBA and granted the NBA is a totally different game. There's a lot of personalities and, you know, different skill sets and superior skill sets for that matter. Um, but you go from a season last year where it was pretty much the, the Russ MVP season where, you know, the team kind of goes all in on Russ as MVP, you know, him getting his triple doubles, going for that streak, breaking Oscar Robertson's record um, and, and really just like go do what you do Russ for a season to now transitioning to a team that arguably is far more talented than last year's team. Um, and not really adjusting the approach where Russ is still going out there averaging a triple-double, and kudos to him for averaging a triple-double you know, for two seasons in a row. But now you have two alternative guys, guys that have actually have, granted, are, are ball-dominant, but do have, at least traditionally speaking, a, a complementary skill set, um, especially in a guy like Melo who can catch and shoot and you know, who can kind of come off that, and, and same with, with PG who can create for himself and you know, also play off the ball. Um, I just, it just felt like... Like Billy Donovan, yes, was given a team midsummer, but didn't necessarily put a, a a framework around like, okay, Russ, I know how this is how, this is how we did things last year, but you know this year's different. We have people that we can you know uh, delegate to. It just it just felt like that, at least from my perspective, and even more so in, in the playoffs than anything else. Well, one of the problems with Russell Westbrook is, and I I would like to find a coach who could be the Russ whisperer, <laughs> a coach that Russell Westbrook actually will not only connect with, but do exactly what this coach says. And Billy Donovan, anytime he talks about Russell Westbrook, there's a there's a, definitely a deference there. Right. You won't see Billy Donovan really call Russ into question. He'll call other guys into question, but never Russ. And that yeah. speaks to Russell Westbrook's volatile personality. And Russ signs a five-year Supermax, so he's going to be with Oklahoma City for a while. And now all of a sudden, Billy Donovan is expected to control him. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. In in no world does that work. And I don't think that there's any world where you could bring it. I don't think you could bring in Phil Jackson and get Phil Jackson to to work with Russell Westbrook. He is just that. He's that guy who's convinced that he knows exactly what to do and that, that he is right. And when you've got a personality like that, you're dependent on him every night to run your team. Unfortunately, it's going to yield some hinky results like we saw with the Thunder this year. Yeah, he's for for as electrifying and and, and just uh, really just entertaining as Russ is during the regular season. Um, it's it's hard not to get frustrated at, at 
it's it's funny because it's this weird dichotomy of like what makes him exciting during the regular season is what makes him frustrating during the playoffs. So like that energy, that fire, that that like go go go, two hundred percent, you know, two hundred miles per hour. That style of play is so fun to watch during the regular season. And then when during the playoffs, when things slow down, um, I almost felt like he got. I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, but it, it almost felt like he got pl- like basketball dumb this playoffs. Like he was he was a less tactical basketball player during the playoffs this year and more so just like raw skill much like he was when he was a rookie um he definitely seemed to be pushing a lot and that was no more evident than when rookie rubio had a good game and he just he made it his goal and his intent to go out there and and and, you know quote unquote stop him um from from doing his thing and you know then he goes out there and gets four quick fouls well and and we knew it was all coming as soon as russell westbrook said those words we knew that Russ was going to have a terrible game right. that night because he was going to go play very emotionally charged. And if you notice the, the the next couple of games after that, Russ improved once he got everything under control, but right. that's the, that's the deal with Russell Westbrook. And you have to kind of compare him to guys like Brett Favre, Baker Mayfield, who's about to be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns is you you just accept the good with the bad. That's right. who they are because they will deliver. One thing about Russ is he's proven throughout his career is he can deliver in the clutch despite the fact that he's a crummy three-point shooter. He's got a knack for hitting them when it counts. And right. Sam Presti will tell you Russ will go into the gym late at night and constantly work on three-point shots to become a better three-point shooter. He – I've always said no stage gets too big for Russ because Russ honestly believes he can hit any shot. He can do anything. And that's fantastic because I want my superstar having that kind of confidence. But with that confidence is going to come mistakes where ultimately they hurt the team. And as a Thunder fan, there are going to be nights where you're going to see incredibly spectacular things. that will be worth telling your kids about 20 years from now. And there are going to be nights where you're just insane and you wonder why Russ had to take that three-point shot. I can remember a game in San Antonio late in the season. The Thunder really didn't need a three. Russ took the three. And I just kept thinking, if you felt like you needed three, you've got Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, why not at least give them the shot? And, and even if Carmelo was missing wide-open threes all year long like he did, I'm going to look at what he's done throughout his career and give him the opportunity, if if nothing else, just to ingratiate him with the team. And that may that may ultimately be the downfall as to why both of these guys don't come back to Oklahoma City. Yep, absolutely. So, and you, and you brought up another topic that I definitely wanted to talk about here was as the you know, the, the looming player options that are Paul George and specifically um, a, a one Carmelo Anthony. So when that trade was made, a lot of excitement, you know, a lot of positive thoughts around, oh, we can slot him into that, that uh, you know, kind of power forward slot that he played with the Knicks that season when they made the playoffs. And, and you know, he was, um, you know, an incredible player in that role. It's going to be great. He's going to be a great fit. Um, and frankly, Melo looked old this year. That old man game just looked old. Um, what were your thoughts on? Kind Don't of tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, yeah, you will not tell Carmelo Anthony that he's coming off the bench. Um, he's starting to strike me as like Allen Iverson esque in the way that he's like he just he's just kind of living in in this age of who he was, um, and it, it doesn't seem like he's going to age gracefully, at least from like the type of person who will who will fit into a role. Like, I don't see him taking the Dwayne Wade approach of saying, okay, what's best for the team is for me to be the sixth man. I'll be the best sixth man in the league. 
I think that will happen with Carmelo Anthony. I don't think it's going to happen next year, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, Carmelo Anthony is one of the most thoughtful, genuine people in the NBA. Right. Is the, is the best way to put it. There there is nobody that has ever played in this organization that I've enjoyed getting to talk to as much as Carmelo Anthony. There's a lot there. And when it came to that exit interview, which which everybody's listened to, what I took away from it is a guy that's just struggling with his own mortality, still feels like he can produce. And I think like every great player that if you're going to be a part of a championship team and make a run, you don't want to be just a piece. You don't, you don't want to be an, an afterthought. And that's, that's tough. That's, very tough for athletes to deal with and, and having worked with athletes my you know a lot throughout my career these are these are when you have had just an incredible set of skills and you have constantly been better than everybody everybody you've ever been on a team with and now right. you're not it's a very difficult thing to swallow but I do believe that Carmelo Anthony has a good enough I mean maybe I'm wrong but I believe there's a good enough head on his shoulders that after he talks to Sam Press and whatever the thunder and him decide, which I go back and forth on that every day because it's a $28 million option. If I'm him, I'm not leaving $28 million on the table <laughs> because that's even, just yeah. that's insane. It's insane to think about it and being a married man. There's no way my wife would let me do it. Maybe a lot <laughs> different than my wife, but I couldn't leave that on the table. And it's also really not the thunder's way to pay somebody that much money and still kind of and still have a count against the salary cap. And let them go do something else, or even negotiate, say, twenty million. So it's, I mean, that is a TVD as far as how that's going to turn out. I don't think Carmelo Anthony's going to play here. I think he'll play one more year, at least one more year in the NBA. He'll go someplace, and I think of after a year, if he gets away from Oklahoma City, and this is also key, if he gets away from Oklahoma City and performs, let's just throw out a team: Phoenix, Sacramento, Atlanta, performs yeah. for them the way he did Oklahoma City then he'll realize, okay, I'm not the same player that I used to be. But if he has the faith that a lot of guys who let the Thunder have where they've gone on to be better, then he's always going to believe that, that he can do it. But I don't see it. I don't see it happening next year. I think it's the year after that where Carmelo Anthony might be more accepting of taking a lesser role with, with some team. So ultimately, though, you think that the that the Thunder hold on to him for next year? They don't like try to buy him out or, or even trade him away to somebody else. Well, they're, they're sort of stuck. I mean, if they want to buy him out, I just I of course it, it was brought up to me when I when I didn't even consider the buyout option and said, well, you know, I heard people talking about this, but it doesn't seem like I said this isn't the Thunder way. It was brought up to me. Well, it's also not the Thunder way to go out and trade for Paul George and Carmelo right. Anthony. <laughs> Time, times zero <laughs> change. Yeah, the Thunder may be doing business a little bit different, which makes Sam Presti uncomfortable. And you could tell that at his press conference. Sam Presti's right. not comfortable doing business this way. Sam Presti likes to build a team, either through trades, through the draft, get a good core, have them stick together. But they shoved all their chips to the middle of the table, and, and now they're stuck in some really bad situations that no matter how many times I write it down on paper, I just don't see it working out unless – you can somehow pull off a sign and trade with Paul George, which I, I, I guess the Lakers would agree. I don't think the Lakers would agree to that. I don't know why they have um, to. It's not, 
no, it's not the craziest idea to think that somebody might do that, but I don't see it. I don't see that happening. And Carmelo, if he, if Carmelo wants to exercise that option, the Thunder are stuck with him unless they just want to pay him to, to get him out of town. And I, I can't see Clay Bennett justifying that, but I could be completely wrong on that because I thought, hell, I thought Russell Westbrook was going to get traded after Kevin Durant left. Right. No guarantees that he was coming back. Yeah, I'm just still shocked that he signed an extension. I I was too when it happened because what what I logic told you when Russ signed that extension, logic told you the best thing for Russell Westbrook to do was not sign the extension, play out this year, and see what Paul George and Carmelo Anthony do, see if it works out, and see if the Thunder can surround you with guys. But I think we learned a lot about Russell Westbrook in signing that extension. And, and Thunder fans want to scream, loyalty, he's not Kevin Durant, he's not a snake. Well, I think what we learned from Russell Westbrook is he always wants to be the face of the organization. Now that Kevin Durant and James Harden was gone, that was his time to, to step up and seize that. And there is absolutely zero doubt that his jersey hangs first. His statue gets built first. No matter what happens with the Thunder, right. Russell Westbrook became the became the favorite son, and I think he valued that more than necessarily he did winning a championship. Yeah. So the last thing that I definitely want to touch on here, and I think this is the thing that most people are going to be thinking about going into this offseason, is what the hell is going to happen with Paul George? I think, to your point, um, it was almost like a championship or bust type of situation with, with PG because you know he was very vocal about wanting to go to L.A., um, even so much so that, that Magic Johnson got fined for tampering. Um, and, and the rumors are still there, and rumors are going around about Philadelphia and all these other teams that may be interested in. Cleveland's thinking, you know, Cleveland's coming up in rumors about maybe swinging a trade for him. And, I mean, ultimately, I mean, wh- what are you anticipating the Thunder end up doing with Paul George? I mean, he has a $20 million option this year, but does he stick it out for one more season and give it a shot? Or do you ultimately think that this will be the end of the Paul George era in OKC? Well, I think it's going to be the end. He's not going to exercise the option because it just doesn't make sense financially to exercise that that option. And and, and Paul George has, has already said he's going to test free agency, and Sam Preston's already said he's going to test free agency. I believe Paul George goes to Los Angeles. Um, if for no other reason, as much as he may want to win a championship, put this is where – athletes sort of think like fans when you get the opportunity to play for the team that you always wanted to growing up and it's there and you go there and you're going to make them a lot better and you get to play with a dynamic guy like Lonzo Ball and you get to play with a guy like Brandon Ingram and they're younger and they're probably easier to mold than what a guy like Russell Westbrook is it just seems too tempting for Paul George to turn that down which sucks for the Thunder but I give him credit for for taking a risk and and trying to go all in for one year. But I don't see Paul George coming back. And as far as this being the whole championship or bust, I listen to Paul George's words very carefully when he said that was not the situation. Right. And what was very important was what Paul George didn't say. Paul George never said, never at any point said, yes, if the Thunder win a championship or yes, if they go this far in the playoffs, then I'll definitely be back. All he said was it wasn't a prerequisite, which still leaves the door standing wide open. I think the Thunder could have won a championship this year and Paul George still wouldn't have come back. Right. I just, I don't think 
he was ever long for Oklahoma City. I, I thought in his head, he was probably thinking, well, it's a better situation than than it was for me in Indiana. It's going to be a cool place to hang out. I get to play with Russell Westbrook. Oh, look, I get to play with Carmelo, and I know him too. But uh, he was never a bad guy here. I, I'm certainly not going to have the same animosity towards him if he leaves. And uh, unlike Kevin Durant, just I don't get the sense that he was ever committed to stay here. And I, I think it's for the fans, and it, to, for any fan to have read more into those comments than what was really said, you got to be careful about those things. So that's when you got to learn how to how to weed out what what is being said or not said in that case. Definitely. Um, so, Eric, I just want to wrap up the podcast today with a couple quick superlatives. Um, just see what you're thinking in terms of NBA awards this year. So, um, who, if the season was to end today, is your? Well, I guess the season's over. So, who was your NBA MVP this year? Wow, um, it's a much tougher question than that. I think people want to give James Harden's going to win it. And James Harden has had James Harden's had a great year, not just in terms of numbers, but I think in becoming a more complete player, and not even defensively, but more of a leader. He's learned how to be a face of an organization. And I'm very happy to see James Harden take this turn in his career. But I would have to say, if you're giving me the vote, it would have been Anthony Davis. Yeah, That would be the guy I would vote for. Yeah, And um a lot of the reason I would vote for Anthony Davis is the same reason I would have voted for Kevin Durant when Durant won it and when Russell won it. It's that whole, you did more with less. And that's just something, you you use that word V, valuable. That's something I value more than anything. And I, I would have put Anthony Davis one, Harden two, um, LeBron and Kevin Durant somewhere tied for for third this year and yeah LeBron can win it every year and when when the playoffs come around LeBron always proves that he is the best player in the league um but I I would have gone Anthony Davis this year right yeah absolutely I I actually had him second on my (laughs) my uh fantasy ballot if you will Uh, I don't know that I'll ever have a vote but maybe one day Uh, nonetheless yeah I I I couldn't agree more I mean I think the the way that AD can impact the 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 game on both sides of the court um, and until like I mean granted they're they're probably going to get eliminated tonight but you know until until this series he was basically the MVP of of the playoffs I mean now you know LeBron has just been all time uh, over the last couple of games but just watching what he did with a team that lost you know arguably the best center in the league um, who most just assumed, and, and I as a Bulls fan, when we got that that first-round pick for Miracic was elated, you know, assuming that, like, oh, wow, how how much better could they possibly be without Boogie? Um, and AD just, he gave it to his city. <laughs> he uh, he would not let the Bulls get that uh, that lottery pick that we so cherished. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just, I mean, both of them just incredible, incredible seasons. And, and James Harden, I mean, the turnaround from, from the OKC days to now where, he might be a top five guard all time at this rate. I mean, just from a, from a player efficiency rating level to just like overall production and like his game has just transformed the NBA as a whole, like the way that we play. Um, and not only that, but he's also mastered the travel, which still pisses me off, but nonetheless topic for another day. Um, <laughs> he's, he's all, he's, he's also mastered the James Harden move, which, you know, when you get a move named after you that the refs are supposed to call, you're that's just legendary <laughs> status as it is now. And 
Look, I don't hate on him for that. I think it's I think it's absolute genius you can do it. And Paul George has mastered that move as as well. And you know, you're talking about MVP candidates in the playoffs, man. Donovan Mitchell, that's a kid that certainly deserved MVP playoff, you know, talk. Yeah. Um. After after that series with the Oklahoma City Thunder, I mean, he was an absolute treat to watch. I love that kid. Would that you kid say is fun? Would, do you have him as your rookie of the year then? Um, yeah, I would, but it's not fair. It's not fair because it's all based on what I saw him do against Oklahoma city in a very small (laughs) amount of time. Right. Um, and you've got to take the whole body of work and people can complain and moan about, well, is Ben Simmons a rookie or is he not a rookie? Is he didn't play? You know, it's Ben Simmons guy. Right. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell over time is going to be, is going to prove to be the more dynamic player. I think on an individual level, Donovan Mitchell's going to have more success than than Ben Simmons is, and he'll be he'll be the guy that we point to. But ultimately, I think the Roy ends up going to Ben Simmons this year. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with somebody who's arguably a top fifteen player in the NBA um, in their first official season. And I've heard every argument for he's not a rookie. He is a rookie. He's not a rookie. He shouldn't get it. He is not technically a rookie, but who gives a shit? Um, so there's just been, there's been a lot of that, a lot of different arguments on that front. Um, last, uh, last superlative, last award. Who is this year's coach of the year? Who? I think a lot of people want to give it to Brad Stevens, um, and I would too, considering the fact that you had you lose Gordon Hayward in the first game of the year, and then you lose Kyrie Irving, right? And now your team is in the playoffs. Like I would say, Brad Brad Stevens would would be my guy. Um, that's the, that's the guy I would go with, but I also think Mike D'Antoni has done just such a tremendous job down in Houston this year. Um, and, and it's hard not to recognize the fact that he has a team playing defense, which we all criticized him for not valuing when he was with Phoenix and when he was with New York and other teams, I'd still, I'm going to give the edge to Brad Stevens on that one. Right. It's funny because I, I'd assume that you would uh, go with Quinn Snyder with the recency bias of losing to the Jazz in the playoffs. But the uh, here's the thing: uh, I love I love Quinn Snyder. Um, I just I try not to have recency bias, but I I do love him, and I think next year is a is a prime opportunity for him to take that award. And I think if if anything that we have learned um, just from that small sample size against Oklahoma city is one Quinn Snyder can coach and he's a very good X's and O's guy. I think the other thing that we've learned is that, you know, Ricky Rubio can be a hell of a player. Right. And maybe that he is in a situation now where he can flourish as well. You, you just hope that with the jazz, that this isn't just a one year wonder thing. Cause it's going to be a real bummer if it is. Yeah. It would suck if this team with as much fun as they can be to watch, doesn't do anything here in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, you know, Donovan Mitchell, just what a, what a come up in this year's draft. What's funny is that the bulls were actually slated to pick him up right around where we were in the draft. Um, And it was anyways, I'm still, I'm still a little bitter about that Jimmy Butler trade. Not that we traded him. I wasn't really on board for trading him because that's kind of what you look for um, in the draft. So why trade a guy who's, you know, controlled and is young and, uh, he's on a good contract, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell has been a revelation. Just, just so much fun to watch this year. Um, cool, Eric. Well, um, tell the listeners where they can find you. Um, we'll uh, plug the podcast and we'll wrap up for today. 
Well, thank you very much for that. Um, you can find me at LockedOnThunder.com. It's LockedOnThunder.com or LockedOnSports.com, which is the Locked On Thunder is part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. But LockedOnThunder.com, all the podcasts are archived there. There's video and audio from players and coaches. So it's, it's all there. It's all there to consume. And I don't write because I suck at it. So nothing boring to read. Just all uh, video and audio and Listen and watch, which is the way the computer was meant to be. There you go. Put the earbuds in, wash your dishes, do your workout, drive to work, whatever you got to do. Make sure you check out all the Locked On Thunder podcasts. I'm a big fan, big consumer of uh, especially Locked On Bulls. Um, and also for the listeners, don't forget to rate and review both Locked On Thunder and NBA. Uh, that's how we get up in the rankings and reviews and you know, want people to be able to find us. Those people who are who are yearning for NBA news, especially for their regional NBA news, uh, feels free to give us a five-star rating and review. Um, and also for the listeners of the Yay Network podcast, you can always email me at the yay network at gmail.com. You can follow us at MBA pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, cool. Well, for Eric, for Jay, this has been MBA. We're out.